0: Welcome to Food and Wine with Chef Jamie Gwen. Celebrate food and life by learning about the culinary scene around the world. Speaking with chefs, artisan food makers, farmers, authors, and tastemakers who are passionate about everything delicious. A very good weekend to you, food lovers. Chef Jamie Gwen in your radio. Are you ready for some culinary discovery? I love food. I love eating it and looking at it and reading and writing about it, creating it, sharing it. And most especially talking about it right here on the radio. If you love to cook or love to eat, I like to say we can definitely be friends. And this is your show. I'm delivering deliciousness every weekend, so please mark your calendar and be sure to tune in. If you happen to have missed a show, don't worry. Podcasts are posted on iTunes under Food & Wine with Chef Jamie Gwen. And if you're hungry for more, I'm always serving up seconds to sip and savor at chefjamie.com, where you'll find an arsenal of recipes to fill every day with fabulous flavor. I'm sharing my Outlook on the food world with you because there are a wealth of tastes out there, but I will travel miles for the perfect burrito and I do love a dive bar. I'm all about dinners for one or cocktails for 50. We'll get back to that post pandemic, no doubt. And so I'm sharing inspiration and informative, entertaining, delicious conversation. And at least I hope you think so. Coming up this hour, we have a full plate, and I am delighted because the goddess of wine, Karen McNeil, is here. Her wine Bible has sold over a million copies, in fact, and she is truly the leading female on informative wine education. She's also all about using the right glass. And so if you want to up your wine game, stay tuned. Before the end of the hour, we're talking gut health with metabolic expert and fitness guru, my sweet friend, Lisa Lynn, and your body will thank you. But first, let's kick off this show as I always like to do with a tutorial of sorts You might just have a taste bud moment, I like to call it, coming up. So, today's lesson, let's say, is, uh, well, I hate to say it selfishly, all about my fridge. True. This past week, um, I whipped up a few dishes with the remainder of things from my fridge and freezer that needed to be used up. Needless to say... My fridge is almost always full. In fact, I have a friend, you've heard me mention before, who calls it the infinity fridge since there, he says, is always something delectable in it. And he used to stop by often for a peek and a few bites, pre-pandemic, of course. Now, I do a good clean out every week and I'm sure that you do too, but there's always something to use up. And in a matter of about 20 minutes, I had a coconut chicken soup on the stove, uh, shredded rotisserie chicken. Or leftover Sunday supper chicken and a can of coconut milk will get you there. Uh, Pomegranate chicken thighs that were roasting in the oven. Pomegranate molasses chicken thighs that needed to go. And then some lamb shoulder chops, which I found in the freezer. And they were ready. Remember, first in, first out. Time to use them up. They're braising with white wine and vegetables on the stove at the point where it smells so good in my house. Uh, I couldn't wait to have them for dinner. Uh, My mom says that my grandmother used to make them just that way. So you could call all of that leftovers, but I heard a fabulous phrase that I adopted many months ago, and I call it extending the table. And it does follow the format of waste not, want not. And in the interest of wasting less and spending less and eating more, that's the best part, think about what you had for dinner last night or the night before. Maybe you roasted a chicken, but you didn't do full justice to the chicken. So did you use the carcass Uh, to simmer it with water and, you know, an onion, some carrots, maybe a stalk of celery to make a rich, nourishing bone broth? Or did it become a beautiful soup? I like the challenge of saving the last bits of onion after you dice them and then the last carrot in the bag uh, from my produce bin and the center leaves of the celery instead of tossing all those things in the garbage. And I keep them in a resealable bag in my fridge. And I think that it does... I will say always get used up for that soup or that stock or just on the uh, bottom of the pan for a roast when I want to raise it up so that the air will circulate around it. I might never eat that carrot, although it's so good, really caramelized from the bottom of the sheet pan. But it's also something I do that's good for the planet and for our prosperity if we saved more, right? So the heels of the loaf of bread that you bought, did you make breadcrumbs? Oh, you, no, you threw it out? Well, you could have. You dry it out in the oven or you toast them, you grind them. When you take that extra minute, I think you feel better about the other things that you throw away. And I don't mean to sit on my uh, high culinary unicorn, that which I don't have, and say I don't throw anything away because I do. But reusing those leftovers isn't a punishment. I think it's a chance to be creative and I think it's an act of thankfulness. And so I'm trying to be more mindful than ever and I hope it inspires you. So here are some amazing meal ideas that you can make from leftovers to extend the table. Do you have leftover pasta? Because I always make the whole pound and it's way too much for my little household. You could make spaghetti frittata. Yes, spaghetti for breakfast. A restaurant, Hugo's in Los Angeles, where I grew up, they make a signature dish called Pasta Mama. Leftover spaghetti, beaten eggs, lots of Parmesan cheese. They make it into a frittata and it's delicious, lunch or dinner. And you pump up the protein value with eggs. You could throw in some veggies, you fry it all in a pan and voila. Maybe you have an abundance of bread in your freezer and you need to use it up. Of course, breadcrumbs. Or why not make a uh, uh, panzanella salad? I'll get it out. I got hungry from the spaghetti frittata just mentioned. Um, If you have, uh, let's say, big cubes of bread, they could go right on the grill. They can go into a salad as croutons. Uh, There's just wonderful ways, I think. Uh, to make good use of them. And if you happen to have a couple slices of pizza somewhere, uh, could be from the best pizza joint, maybe you made it yourself, good for you, Uh, or a frozen pizza in a pinch. Well, I'll tell you what I love to do with leftover pizza. Pizza croutons. That's right. There is a slice of pizza that you pick the cheese off or that is somewhere in your fridge. And I will say pizza croutons are delicious. You could pump up the flavor of tomato soup with a few pizza croutons. I'd come over for that. Uh, Leftover rice from the Chinese restaurant still in the container, coconut rice pudding or veggie fried rice or uh, how about arancini, the Italian delight that is a rice ball with a piece of mozzarella cheese melting within or an easy chicken and rice soup. So good. Steak or pork left over, I just slice it thin and that becomes nacho night. And if you have veggies that are sort of aging, or maybe you have a crudité left over or you bought a veggie tray and you haven't used it up, pickle it. Oh, yes. And then if you happen to have a piece of fish in your freezer, like uh, a fillet of salmon, let's say, uh, you don't need to be from Boston to enjoy a nice bowl of chowda, right? And if you're looking for protein and omega-3s and some really hearty warming goodness because the weather has been so cold, you can make a nice pot of chowder with just a little bit of fish. And I think that's a great way to use it up. So I hope that your experience extending the table is a delicious one. And I'd love to know what you make. So email me, jamie, J-A-M-I-E at chefjamie.com. All right, it's time for food news this week. I thought I was in the know, but now I'm not so sure. Did you know that there are almost 100,000 posts on Instagram that include the hashtag Starbucks secret menu? But you have to know that these drinks are known by the baristas, from what I understand, from all of these Tens of thousands of posts. And so people are sharing their favorites online. And I can't wait to order a shortbread cookie frappuccino. It's actually Girl Scout cookie inspired and you just have to know what to ask for. How about the raspberry cheesecake frappuccino or a thin mint? How about a, a Winnie the Pooh or a cookies and cream cold brew? Have you heard about the Skittle? secret menu drink at Starbucks. There's a a baby Yoda and a chocolate covered strawberry drink, a tiramisu. There's just about everything. Purple, pink, the Nutella Frappuccino is mocha sauce, hazelnut syrup, and whipped cream. And I'm in. So if you want to scour the internet and learn more about the Starbucks secret menu, (laughs) go for it. Don't touch your dial coming up. Lauded wine expert and author, Karen McNeil is here, and we are going to sip and savor Chef Jamie Gwen in your radio. Be right back. And welcome back, Chef Jamie Gwen in your radio. Let's sip and savor, shall we? Because we do have the greatest culinary and wine minds on this show. Noted writer, author, and educator Karen McNeil is the only American to have won every major wine award given in the English language. Impressive, right? The James Beard Award for Wine and Spirits Professional of the Year, the Louis Rotorer Award for Best Consumer Wine Writing, the International Wine and Spirits Award as the Global Wine Communicator of the Year. Even Time Magazine got it right. They called Karen, Americans, missionary of the vine, and well-deserved. Karen has graced this show before, and I am so delighted to have her back. She is the co-creator and uh, chairman of the Rudd Center for Professional Wine Studies at the Culinary Institute of America, Napa Valley. The CIA, my alma mater, makes me very proud. And her program has been called the Harvard of Wine Education, Well, uh, as if her plate wasn't full enough, her newest venture is wine glasses. And wait till you hear, because this is brilliant. The glass that you sip and savor from definitely makes a difference, right? In the aromas, in the bouquet, in the flavors on the palate when you sip your favorite Chardonnay or Pinot Noir. And Karen's new wine glasses are designed around what matters most. And that, Karen says, is flavor. And I agree. Karen McNeil is here to dish. And I'm so glad to have you back, Karen. Welcome. I hope that you are healthy and well.
1: Hi, Jamie. (laughs) It's a pleasure to be with
0: you. Well, thank you. Thank you. It's so nice to catch up with you again. Uh, Tell us about the new glassware. I was so excited to read about it. I heard it was going into restaurants. Then I found out, oh, good. All of us wine snobs at home can enjoy them too.
1: Oh, definitely. Yes. Um, you know, they're called the Flavor First Collection, and, um, yeah, you can buy them on wine.com and at Macy's um, and uh, on, I think on Amazon now, too. Um, but here was the, you know, one day I was literally sort of struck by lightning about hmm. this idea. Hmm. Um, so I, I guess epiphanies do happen. Yes. But, um, you know, I realized that, uh, I mean, I taste 2,000 wines a year. And so people in the wine biz like me, you know, we get used to the fact that glasses come in all different shapes and sizes. There are glasses named for regions like Bordeaux and Burgundy. There are glasses named for varieties like Tempranillo or Chardonnay or Sangiovese. And all of that is actually pretty complicated. You you actually have to know something about wine Yes. in order to you know, drink the wine you like. And the craziness of that just sort of hit me. And I thought, why can't you just design a wine glass around flavor? Because mm. I knew from all of my students at the CIA that when you ask someone what kind of wine they like, they say something really simple. You know, they say, I like bold reds or something. Um, mm. So that that began, then, <laughs> then began, sorry, um, Almost three years of my yes. doing uh, tons of experimenting mm. to see how um, what kinds of flavors like how would you design glasses because I'd never done this before and eventually I settled on uh, three shapes. If you had these three glasses, these three glasses would cover all of the wines. Um, Your ninety-nine point nine percent of all the wines you're ever likely to drink.
0: Which I love. Glasses
1: are named for flavor. Yeah, one's the crisp and fresh glass. Hmm. One's the creamy and silky glass, and one's the bold and powerful glass.
0: It's so smart, Karen. I have to tell you, from a culinary perspective, I very much relate that to you need three knives in your arsenal, right? You need the chef's knife, the all-purpose, you need the serrated, and you need a paring knife. And you can get by just about anywhere. And yeah. so I, lo- I loved this concept when I read about what you were doing. And I know it's a three-year passion project, but I have to tell you, it was very well worth it because, thank you, you uh, allowed me, in, in addition to gracing this show, you allowed me an opportunity to taste from your glasses and I have them in front of me here right behind the microphone and I have to tell you they have so many beautiful qualities that I look for in stemware the the thinness at the lip of your glasses the way you put your nose into the glass every detail so much considered I, I I love the power of this glass So can we talk about each of them individually? Talk about crisp and fresh, if you would, to start, please.
1: Yeah, you know, um, a lot of us love wines that are crisp and fresh. Mm -hmm. Everything from, you know, Prosecco and sparkling wine to Sauvignon Blanc to Riesling to Pinot Grigio to Rosé tastes so fantastic in that glass. And Mm -hmm. It's a glass that lots of people in the restaurant business love because it's so mm. it's so pretty on the table. Oh, it's beautiful. Tulip. All of these glasses, by the way, are the same height. Yes. Because, you know, when you look in someone's kitchen cabinet, <laughs> how crazy is it that you have glasses of all these different heights? And so this glass, though, you'll see that the widest part of the glass is kind of nearest your nose. Mm-hmm. And for reasons that I don't know and no one knows scientifically exactly why... Glasses make so much difference. We think it has to do with some aspect of how the wine interacts with oxygen. Mm -hmm. But in any case, I know experientially that, man, that glass makes a difference. Mm -hmm. What are you drinking out of it right now?
0: Uh, ro- rose all day, my friend awesome. time,
1: <laughs> yeah. right? it's
0: time right? yeah. it's it 's time somewhere, yes, it's and, somewhere. and I have to tell you i haven 't ventured yet, and i 'm not sure how you will feel about this, but i i i don't mind a little controversy. I remember learning in France to drink piscine de rose, and so some ice cubes in hot weather um, sure. have have graced my rose, and i'm not sure if that thoroughly offends you in in all of your gorgeous lauded beautiful grace that you know you've t- taken the wine world by storm for so many years and I have to just comment too you were one of the first if not the first female in an industry very dominated by men that has paved the way for so many of us to speak intelligently and to be able to share our passion very openly and for educating us and for educating the world on that we thank you for sure um oh, but yes very of well you. of course rosé yes in my um in my crisp and fresh glass i'd love to pour prosecco or cava though
1: and oh, experience totally. it you know i mean who doesn't love bubbles right, right. um again it's mm-hmm. just such a fun thing to yeah. have on the weekend mm-hmm. um, like tonight or just, you know, these wines, Cava, Prosecco, sparkling wine from California, even Champagne, they are, it takes so much effort. It's such a detailed wine to make that when people say that these wines are expensive, I'm like, no, they aren't. Are you kidding? I'm surprised (laughs) they all don't cost a lot more than they do. Mm -hmm. And um, I know here in Napa Valley, where I live, um, there are California sparklers for... $16, $18 16 $18 a bottle that are terrific. That's $3 a glass. I mean, I know people who spend more than that on Starbucks every day.
0: Okay, Karen, I'm going to take a great big sip during this quick break. If you'll please stay with us. More with the goddess of wine, Karen McNeil, right after this. Welcome back. Chef Jamie Gwen in your radio. We're toasting with Karen McNeil, lauded author and wine expert, of course. I have to tell you, there's something so genius about your aha moment. I want to rip all the glassware from my cabinet. Every different glass, like you talked about, the champagne glass, the stemless, the this, the that, and just use these three glasses for everything.
1: We never knew... um, the we being, um, I had a couple <laughs> of women who worked for me, and we, we tasted every night. We would taste, you know, all these different wines in mm. hundreds of different glassware. Our our office uh, table just looked crazy. I mean, for for a near, nearly a year, it had all of this glassware from all over the world, all over it, and we would try and figure out what really mattered. And mm. it was... Um, You know, I I just thought to myself, this is bizarre that all of these glasses are so differently shaped and differently um, sized. And the one thing that is really, you'll love this, that is, uh, I think, very important about my flavor first line is that there's no separate white wine glasses.
0: Ah, yes, Um, I noticed that.
1: And you don 't need a separate line of white wine glasses you white wine glasses are not different than red; they need as much oxygen as red. Um, in fact, white wine glasses were created it's kind of sexist were created because white wine was considered kind of like women, smaller and less important. Hmm. Um, so you can imagine how I felt about that. Well, uh, most most certainly glasses in my line.
0: No. And by the way, I love the creamy silky glass because my buttery Chardonnay deserves a place on the table. My oaky. Yeah. My, my oaky suck on a barrel Chardonnay loud and proud. Let me tell you.
1: Well, that is the glass for it. And you see that it's shaped exactly like an egg. Yes. And, um, that is such a, a harmonizing shape in nature. Mm. That yes. glass is so remarkable. It's the one I reach for so often. I do drink a lot of Chardonnay and a lot of Pinot Noir. Mm, and the wines just taste so harmonious in that shape.
0: I have to tell you, I poured Chardonnay, what, a, c- a couple of days ago when I first took the glasses out of the box. And th- there are two of each of the three styles of glasses in a box. So you can enjoy with your bestie or your partner or your favorite wine lover. Um, and I poured the Chardonnay and I thought in putting my nose in the glass that there was something at another level than I was used to, which I it has to be uh, attributed to your egg shape for sure. I feel like the nose is better on the wines I usually drink in your glasses. I really do.
1: Yeah, that is a big part of it, of course. it's It's why... You know, even unconsciously, um, you may not actually, uh, you know, sniff d- dramatically in the way that, um, that sommeliers do, but we're all unconsciously very ruled by smell. And when something smells good, um, you know, it's, it's, of course, wonderful. It's intoxicating in a sense. And when, similarly, when something smells bad or dull or just doesn't have any smell at all, it's, um, you know, it's sad um, That's true. A lot hmm. of Pinot Grigio poured in um, the wrong glass has about as much charm as tap water. Because <laughs> you can't, you can't smell a single thing.
0: Amazing, huh? When you think of it that way, bold and powerful. Only for red or uh. no? You know, some
1: really big Chardonnays are great in that glass. Okay, because um, because. Chardonnay can be bold and powerful. Sure. One of the reasons that people love it is that it's not, uh, you know, it's not shy Chardonnay. It's not recessive. It can jump right out of the glass. Hmm. Um, but it's primarily for uh, grapes like Cabernet or Merlot or wines like um You know, there's a lot of good, inexpensive Bordeaux coming out. Yes. Um, Lots of Southern Italian reds are terrific in that glass. Mm, Okay. Zinfandel, Australian Shiraz. Yes. Um, So it's a very, there are a lot of uh, bold and powerful wines in the world. So it's a glass that uh, has a lot of Utility, I guess I'd
0: say. Yeah, for sure. And and I love that you created utility and versatility and convenience because I think, uh, albeit a pandemic or not, we're all looking for more of that in our lives. We've all become accustomed to the conveniences of so many aspects of our lives, especially today, right? Everything delivered to your door, uh, the garbanzo beans already cooked, steamed, and packaged for you. Um, hummus in a minute I love that personally Um, I wonder if you ventured um, outside of white and red into uh, some of the like um, whether whiskey drinkers can rejoice or fortified wines like ever since the CIA which is a lot of years ago now Karen I could still sit down to um, port and cheese for dinner and I'm very happy Oh, yeah. So yeah. I wonder, the fortified wines or uh, for, for cocktail drinkers, have you tested these, these glasses?
1: You know what we did do? We realized, even though I, I thought, okay, three glasses for the whole world, that's, that's terrific. I really, you know, one glass doesn't do it, but nobody needs 17 different glass <laughs> sizes, and shapes. Yes. The one concession I did make, though, I, I kept thinking to myself— Yeah, but what about, I don't know, what about super casual situations? You mentioned, you know, um, ice cubes in rosé, or you're in some situation where you're really in a tiny apartment in Boston or New York. You don't have, barely have enough kitchen space for one person to move around. You know, what about those kinds of situations? And uh, so we we created a fourth glass called a petite stem, Oh. And it has a foot on it, though, so it's not like an O glass. Okay. It, it, it has a very, 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 very tiny stem, um, but it does have a foot so that you can swirl wine. Yes. And I did it for, for wine, and, and you could also use it for water. The most surprising thing to me was people have now written in saying, I love your new glass for bourbon. Oh. I love your new glass <laughs> for gin and tonics." <laughs> I love your new glass for iced tea. Well, there I'm we like, go. Oh, my God. <laughs> it turns out that that um, petite stem is really fantastic for all kinds of other beverages. Wonderful.
0: Oh, I love that. You know, Karen, I bring everything back to food. That, that's the everyday pan of glassware yep. that you created, right? That's my go-to pan for everything. That will be my go-to glass. For everything.
1: Yeah, and you know, Jamie, something you're saying is so important. Um, I mean, probably like you, um, you know, companies sometimes send me these very, very expensive glasses, and they're Mm. beautiful, but I realize, and I put them someplace nice up on a shelf, and I realize years go by, and I've never once reached for them.
0: Yeah, they get dusty.
1: They just get dusty because, because I'm afraid to break them, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so I also wanted, in my own mind, I said, I'm never going to do that. My glasses are not going to make, make people, they're not going to be priced in a way that makes people afraid to break them.
0: And we thank you for that. Yes. So
1: um, these are, uh, for consumers, you know, if you got them at Macy's, uh, the, the sixth variety set where you get two of each, is, works out to, I think, about $11 a glass. Hmm. And, you know, there are so many glasses on the market right now that are like $30, 40, yes. $50 oh. dollars per stem. Easy,
0: you, easy. You would
1: never grab
0: that No, you'd be
1: too mm. afraid to break it.
0: It's very true. Um, before I let you go, what is the last year like for you, Karen? Have you been tasting more? Do you have another book in the process because that's what you've been home doing? How has is, how is the pandemic affected your yeah. wine world?
1: You know, we have been doing, um, well, I am writing the third edition of the Wine Bible. Mm-hmm. The,
0: <laughs> Exciting.
1: It is, uh, you know, it, it the first one took 10 years, the second mm-hmm. one took four years, and I'm determined that this one will only take three years. It's, it's it, it covers the world, so wow. the world turns out to be a big play yes. when it comes, up, comes to wine. Um, and we've been writing... Um, my newsletter called Wine Speed, which goes to your, it's free. It goes to your inbox um, every Friday. It's super fun. It's very short. And, uh, you know, it's been fun. I've had to kind of dust off my old radio and television days. <laughs> mind you, I'm not as good as you at that. but oh, um, I'm,
0: you flatter uh, me. I'm trying. Karen, always a pleasure. Thank you for sharing your passion. I was about to ask you your most favorite current food and wine pairing, can you just throw something out? What did you eat last night? And what were you uh, drinking, of course?
1: When I get home from work, the first thing I have, this is so terrible.
0: No, do tell.
1: A really cold glass of sparkling wine with some really great potato chips.
0: Oh, I love that. Okay. Our,
1: our farmer's market here has these fantastic potato chips. It's a perfect and, pairing. And, um, man, yes. I have to be really careful. <laughs> I, yeah, I bet.
0: Right. And I, I do the same with popcorn. Sort of close, right? The salty, crunchy. Oh, so good. Okay. We do have the greatest thinkers on this show. If you want to savor food and wine to its greatest extent, then you will stay tuned. Chef Jamie Gwen in your radio with lots more delicious conversation right after this. Don't go away. formative, entertaining and delicious conversation abounds. Welcome back. Chef Jamie Gwen here. The incredible complexity of the gut and its importance to our overall health is no doubt a topic of increasing research in the medical community. And we hear about it all the time, but do you really understand it? Numerous studies in the past two decades have demonstrated links between gut health and your immune system, your mood, your mental health, autoimmune diseases, endocrine disorders, skin conditions, even cancer. So the question is, how healthy is your gut? I want to understand it better. So, Lisa Lynn to the rescue. I called my phenomenal friend and I asked Lisa Lynn, our resident workout guru, our metabolic expert here on the show for many years, uh, to join us, to stop in and to dish on gut health. Well, I've come to learn, and in my research as well, it is far more than a single conversation. So, Right now, we're marking the start of a three-week series, a consecutive series on gut health, which means you had the good taste to tune in today, and you'll need to tune in next weekend and the weekend after that so that the author of the award-winning The Metabolism Solution, Lisa Lynn, who created the Wall Street Journal bestseller, The Metabolic Boosting Weight Loss System can enlighten you, no doubt. You know her from her regular appearances with Dr. Oz. She shares workouts and insight, and I am always thrilled when she stopped by, but I am even more thrilled and grateful to call her my friend. Hi, Lise. How are you?
2: First thing I want to say is we're not going to take any yummy food things people love away because
0: not about that. Okay. Thank you. You can stay. You know, I still tell people, (laughs) how many years is it? We know each other. I still tell people that the reason that I fell in love with you is because you were the trainer with Tootsie Rolls in your pocket.
2: Yep. It's true. Full disclosure, it was a long time and I was young and while I was very smart, I really didn't understand or grasp the magnitude of balance. Even though I preached it, the Mm -hmm. more I learned, the more I realized I don't know and how unbelievably awesome the, the science of balance is yes. and why it's important so who even wants to live if you can't have some good food to well honest. thank you but. that's that's
0: why we're friends you and i but the, yeah but that's why i think and i know actually through your tips over these years through your expertise shared on the radio and you know in a personal relationship on the phone and otherwise yep. Yep. i have changed my body but i have yep. not given up what i love and I yep. think all of these different conversations about your metabolism, about the kitchen workout, I mean, that run the gamut. Now we're going to talk gut because yeah. we need to talk gut. They make yep. us better. But it's the understanding oh, yeah. that nourishes us. So start at the beginning, please, because gut health, you hear everybody say it. What is it? We
2: do hear gut Gut health is where all health originates. Okay. And honestly, the word everything, every single aspect of your health from how much hair, skin, your nails, how they're growing, how you feel, all starts at this very basic level. In fact, eighty-five percent of our immune system hmm. is dependent or relies on probiotics.
0: Okay, so we know your gut is all the in, everything inside, right? That the food flows yeah. through before it is excreted. I'm trying to be polite, but um, yeah. that's your yeah. gut, right? And you have to yeah. consider it: probiotic totally. versus prebiotic.
2: And you know probiotics are made of the live good bacteria and yeast that live in our body and our stomach. They're all the good stuff and they're in check. When everything's in check, our harmony's in check.
0: Okay, so those probiotics... Wait, I want to just define. Probiotic It's it's used a lot of different ways it's found in things you can buy a probiotic pill yeah right it's a neutral neutral term (laughs) so they say Mm -hmm. okay wait talk about that
2: yeah and so they say like the truth is a lot of women i see think well i'm eating yogurt for you know because they think the truth is eat it it's delicious it's soothing food and it isn't one of the worst but it is pasteurized in order to be able to sit on the shelf. Therefore, those probiotics you think you're getting, you're not. They're over, you know, they're overpaid. You're, you're paying for stuff that's not in there that you think is. And, and also, I mean, because the pasteurization kills them, if it was in fact a really good probiotic, your yogurt would be so acidic, you probably wouldn't eat it because probiotics eat the sugars that are in the food, which is a
0: good thing. So we're not getting as much as we think from the container of Greek yogurt. How mu- how come the or how about, rather, the probiotic capsule?
2: Slightly better. Okay. Slightly better, but you really don't know about self-stability.
0: We've covered prebiotics, probiotics. We know we need both. We know we need to nurture our gut health. But where is it all going to come from? How can you improve your gut health? Well, some of it, I understand, comes from eating more whole grains and nuts and loading up on veggies and beans and fresh fruit. And that conversation to come next weekend, right here, more with Lisa Lynn. Dedicated to helping you get in the best shape of your life, my dear friend Lisa has devoted her career to metabolic weight loss, performance, nutrition, and personal training. And you can get more great tips and read Lisa's blog at L y n f i t L-Y-N-F-I-T.com. You can follow on social at Lisa lisalynfitness.com. I'll meet you here next weekend, girlfriend. I can't wait. My gut gut feels better already. (laughs) Thank you. Bye. And so that brings us to the end of another hour of culinary conversation. And I hope that it fed your soul. I'll leave you with my last bite, my last ounce or tidbit of inspiration for this week. I have a breakfast treat for you. It's a quick fix and I love it because I'm trying to embrace and savor the end of citrus season. It's a bruleed grapefruit with shredded coconut and it's super simple. You take a large grapefruit and cut it in half, of course, take the seeds out as you can. And if you want to, um, use a grapefruit spoon or knife actually to separate the segments, the flesh from the pith. Now, I happen to cut all the way around the exterior between the pith and the flesh just to make it easier to eat. And then I sprinkle generously with sugar. You can use granulated sugar or turbinado. You can even use a sugar substitute if you like. And I pull out my blowtorch. You can use the broiler as well. And I caramelize that grapefruit all over. Then I finish it with a sprinkle of shredded coconut. And I have to say, it's... Delectable. Bruleed grapefruit in three ingredients and so simple. I will post a photo that will hopefully make your mouth water on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Chef Jamie Gwen, where I hope you'll become a fan and a friend and follow. And of course, there's lots more delicious inspiration at chefjamie.com. Until then, though, I'll meet you here next weekend. Please stay healthy and eat well. Wear a mask. I'm Chef Jamie Gwen signing off, and I do hope you continue to eat well.